You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk. Right here on the best college radio station in the nation, Radio DePaul Sports. The sin voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Coming to Monday Madness Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, your host of the program, starting the week off fresh, talking the latest in sports and world news. This is episode 168, ranging from both Harper College Radio and Radio at DePaul Sports, recording for both. Right here on 88.3 FM, Harper College Radio, and RadioDePaulSports.com podcasts. Once again, my name is Noah Fessenstein, recording from my own bedroom here in Arlington Heights. Action Heights, baby! Let's get it going. It is April 20th, 2020. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive here on Money Sports Talk. So let's get it going right here, right now. Let's do it. Have a good one planned today. And just like last week, we're going to have some friends come on to the show today. But some unfamiliar voices that Monday Mass Sports Talk has never seen or heard the likings of. One of them, though, however, you have heard before Monday Mass Sports Talk. And we're going to start the show off with that of which James Jefferson, a former co-host of Monday Mass Sports Talk at Harper College Radio. He's going to come on to talk some basketball, some baseball, whatever, to fulfill your needs in sports. And also just as well, what's been going on in this coronavirus pandemic. So we'll get some word from James on that. And then, after James Jefferson, we're going to get into some DePaul basketball. It's time to slay the dragon of that of which DePaul men's basketball. And we're going to do so with... DePaul men's basketball student manager and host of the Blue Demon Hoops podcast, Ethan Densmore, who is going to join me at around the midway point of the show to talk some DePaul basketball. And then to finalize us off today at the end, we have a very interesting scandal happening with the DePaul softball team, which is very important current news that is happening in the sports world, at least in the local sports world here in Chicago. So I think it's something that should be discussed in terms of an allegation that's been put on former DePaul softball uh, coach Eugene Lenti, who has been reported to have abused his players in the past to the knowing of the DePaul Athletic Department. When I get into that story uh, with the writer of these, this recent DePaul story that was written, Shane Renee of the DePaulia, who is actually the DePaulia um, editor-in-chief. So we're going to get into that and more here on My Mad Sports Talk today, the 168th edition of such. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's going to be a good one. And you are going to stick around here as I'm going to get to a break. When I come back, it's going to be former co-host of My Mad Sports Talk, James Jefferson, to join me here on the broadcast Right here on 88.3 FM, Harper College Radio, and RadioDePaulSports.com podcasting. We'll be back in just a bit. Stay tuned.
Hey everyone, looking for a way to help? Due to the coronavirus outbreak, blood drives from across the state have been cancelled. While coronavirus does not directly create a greater need for blood, the cancelled blood drives are impacting the current supply and the need for blood is always constant. So to find a blood donation site near you, go to aabb.org and select Give Blood. You can also go to redcrossblood.org to keep up to date on the Red Cross blood drive schedule when the shelter-in-place restrictions are lifted. Schedule your appointment today. This has been Noah Festenstein, your host of Mighty Mass Sports Talk. Be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fail, and one. Oh, Max Drews brings down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball. You are currently listening to yours truly, Noah Festenstein, proud host of Monday Madness Sports Talk, an award-winning radio program on the newly awarded best college radio station in the nation, Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Monday Madness Sports Talk. It is your host, Noah Festin-Steed, starting us off today with the first segment. Bring me in is Ain't My Fault with Zara Larson, the R3 Rehab Remix. Of Ain't My Fault. Let's get it going here. All right, let's do it here with the first segment. And what better way to start us off with having someone on the line with me and it is, of course, our good friend of Monday Mana Sports Talk, former co-host James Jefferson. James, how are you doing? What's up, man? I'm good. You're good? Are you sure? I mean, you've been in your house, I'm pretty sure, for a while now. Is, has that been treating you well? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. As I mean, how's how's quarantine been for you? How's just life as, as it is at the moment? Honestly, it's getting boring. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get sick of this. How so, man? I mean, I can't stand. I can't stand not being able to go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> no sports, I think, is the one that gets us most, isn't it? Uh, you're gonna help. I, that's why I have you on here, James. You're gonna have to help me fill this void of no sports. Right now, though, thank God for YouTube. Oh yeah, no kidding. I've been watching the the the, the sports things that I've been like the sports mediums or outlets that I've been watching mostly since uh, during this time has been number one UFC fight pass two of course YouTube as mentioned and then three would be any Netflix or Hulu movie that's about sport that's it I don't watch anything else I'll watch the heck I watched I don't know how many fights today on UFC fight, fight pass but I'll watch the heck out of that any day so, and I know that we didn't talk a lot about UFC when you were on the show with me uh, previously, so um, we're not going to get into they, much of that. Uh, it's supposed to come back, like, May 9th, from what I heard? May 19th, but that got canceled. Uh, because uh, wow. So what happened was Dana White, the president of the UFC, was trying to push this event so, so much because he wanted, yeah. of course, to be the only sporting event running. And uh-huh. uh, he was pushed by ESPN, in which, you know, of course, are very good partners yep. with... 
uh, the UFC, yeah, like you just said, shut them down and said, you know, that they advised them. It wasn't really set, like, of course, UFC, the UFC has control, but I mean, if they're really good partners with ESPN and they want to keep that relationship healthy, they're going to turn that down. They're going to turn that fight down. Um, so good for Dana White for at least trying to keep this event. But besides that, uh, I know you're in here missing basketball, missing now baseball season, and uh, hopefully looking forward to a full 17-game football season up ahead. Um, what are your thoughts on the timeline of sports coming back? Uh, do you have an idea of, of what that could look like? Honestly, I think, honestly, the first one to come back, if everything you know clears up by then, I think golf will be the first one to come back. Golf? Explain. By, by June? Yeah, from what I heard, I heard, it, you know, if... They'll play like their first four weeks back without any spectators. But well, golf is literally the most uncontact sport I can think of. Baseball, think you have contact in ways. Back. Golf, you just make contact with the ball. That's it. Yeah, I, I think, think come back by that the makes end sense. Of, by, the minute, by the end of May. By the end of May, that actually sounds ideal. Not even. I mean, they, of course, had to cancel the Masters, um, which is a huge blow to the golf world. Why wouldn't they postpone that? Oh, they did. I thought they canceled it. Mm-mm. When would it be postponed to? November. November? That's why I thought it was canceled, because I have never heard such a thing of the Masters being hosted in November. Well, think about it. The middle of football season and the Masters at the same time. Ooh. Ooh. That actually does sound pretty good. I mean, at least for you. I mean, you got football season going on. Um, speaking of which, we're going to get into some football talk here with you. I know James, who is, of course, a Green Bay Packers fan. I don't know how I allowed Green, a Green Bay Packers fan to be a co-host on the show. But nonetheless, he is a respectable yes, Green Bay Packers fan. What you're trying to say. I'm saying you're a respectable Green Bay Packers fan. I know you. I know you're, you're very kind at heart, which is not like most Packers fans. But I know you're a different type of Packers fan, and I respect that about you. But, of course, being a Packers fan comes consequences on this radio show that you just cannot avoid, which is, of course, being badgered on every chance that I can get being a Bears fan on a Chicago-based radio show. What y'all do last year? Eight and eight. All right. You got me there. You got me there, James. Congratulations. I got nothing to say. I mean, the Packers definitely did a good job in their first year with their new head coach. And, uh, I mean, hey, all right. Now, now since we're in that conversation, what record do you think with the 17-game season coming up is the Green Bay Packers going to end up with? It's actually, it's not for this coming year. I think it'll be for the next two. I think it'll be the year after this. Is when they start the 17 I thought games. it was in the 20 season. They said 2020. Mm-hmm. 2021? It was 2021, yeah. Well, my golly. All right. Like, uh, it won't be any earlier than that. I, th- I was given the impression it was 2020. Regardless, mm-hmm. I mean, that's one extra game. It's not going to make much of a difference. Um, but, I mean, with, with, of course, the 16-game season, it does make a difference. What do you think... Uh, is going to be the record of the Green Bay Packers. Do you think that they can 
uh, do what they did this past year and um, taking out a now, now a probably better Bears defense with now Quinn being added to this roster. Um, and also uh, former Green Bay Packers tight end Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Graham on the Chicago Bears. Don't get your hopes up about Jimmy Graham. I never said I was getting my hopes up, but I just didn't know what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I was, yeah. I just laughed at it, to be honest with you. I mean, you probably didn't have much of a reaction. I probably, I, I didn't think you were going to have much of a reaction to that. But, I mean, hey, he believes that the Chicago Bears are going to be a championship team, and he wants to be on that kind of team. And he want, he feels like Chicago deserves a championship. Being a Green Bay Packers player, of course, for the ma- majority of his career, what do you think about him saying that? Good luck to him. <laughs> good luck. Just good luck. Okay, I mean, whatever you say, James, um... But I'm pretty confident with this Bears team. Uh, what did you think about this Nick Foles sign? I mean, I, I think he's a good mentor to Mitch Trubisky, but none, nothing really that much more, uh, considering he he doesn't really have as many good numbers in, in certain cases during the season as well as Mitch Trubisky does. Um, do you think that's going to be a good competition at quarterback? Yes, but here's the problem. There's a guy named Cam Newton sitting out there. Y'all didn't take a chance on him. I understand that his health is a big question mark, but still. Would you rather have a healthy Cam Newton or Nick Foles? I was I would always say Cam Newton, but I you never but you, okay then. Well well here's the thing. You you, you said uh, an injury prone Cam Newton. My reasoning behind Nick Foles being an, an okay signing is because he's that mentor to Mitch Trubisky, in which the Bears do need Mitch Trubisky to be QB1, not QB2. That's what. That's why the Bears chose him above guys like Mahomes and uh, Watson, you know? Like, that's that's a big, big question mark in saying, now what's the role of Mitch Trubisky? And how is Nick Foles going to be in this... Uh, and part of this offense and helping that be the case. And will will Nick Foles accept that position of being QB too? I don't know. I don't think Cam Newton wouldn't have had accepted that, but I think Nick Foles is a more likely candidate to accept that role rather than uh, be QB one because Nick Foles has been in that role and he's thrived on it, which is why I think the Bears got him. And he worked with Matt Nagy in Philadelphia. Exactly. And I think those are some good reasons behind Nick Foles being signed, but uh, the, the big narrative between behind us Bears fans reaction is it's Nick Foles and it's not Cam Newton and that's what we could have gotten but there's also, also those underlying factors that I just explained that contributed to the Nick Foles signing we'll see how it goes we'll so see. so then what do you think about your Packers now compared to the Bears in, in, in this NFC North I'm still giving. I'm still giving us the edge. I just, well, with what we did last year, nobody expected us to be that good. I mean, it was just it, they surprised me. How so? It, just, I... it, it seemed like Matt Lafleur was. I mean, he was a breath of fresh air. He was what the team needed to finally, you know. They got, they got their swagger back. I, I could see why you say that. 
but I don't think that showed as as well in the playoffs, like especially in in that great in that Forty Nine er game. I mean, Look, hey, but hey, man, if somebody told me you would make the you know the Packers would have made the NFC Championship game of the first year head coach, I'd have said they're crazy. Yeah, I said that about Joe Madden in 2015 with the Chicago Cubs, and look what they did. Yeah. That's an even bigger story in my eyes, but that's a whole conversation for another day, and that's baseball too, so that's a whole different conversation. That's, that's, that's different. Yeah, but, I mean, that's the best comparison I can ask of you, and that was a very joyous occasion. But now, of course, the Green Bay Packers, it didn't, doesn't seem like you had a lot of faith going any further than the NFC Championship. How did you feel about them going into that game and uh, possibly coming out uh, into the Super Bowl? Truth be told, I knew we were going to lose that game. I just... When we played them in November, it was it was just disgraceful. <laughs> yeah, understandable. It was, yeah. It was, it, was, it was embarrassing. That's, that's the Green Bay Packers for you. Dead silence. From really? <laughs> really? I know it's nine. Fi- we're we're pre-recording this right now, and it's nine fifteen at night. Uh, this past Thursday night. So um, you're listening to this on April twentieth, twenty twenty. Uh, but right now it is April sixteenth, twenty twenty. So uh, obviously, from what we know now, could be a massive uh, uh, difference between now and, of course, Monday. So, last week, I recorded, and then the Chicago Bulls, of course, here in the city, fired um, Paxton, and, wait, I think they reassigned him or something. Yeah. Foreman got Foreman got fired, and Paxton got reassigned. I, don't, I, I forgot what position he got reassigned, but as long as it's not in the position he was, that is A-OK. I didn't have the chance to talk about it, of course, because I already recorded my show. But let's talk about that move, because I know you made a, um, uh, some note, some mention about it um, to me when, when it happened. Uh, what do you think about that move, of course, and um, how do you think the Bulls are going to change off of this? First of all, what took them so long? I know. That's, well, it's, I'm glad that was like one of the first moves made um, with this recent chair signing. See, what I, uh, also, I don't understand. Fans are acting like, the, you know, like, why are y'all celebrating this? They still got a, a crappy roster. Well, I mean, well, the reason why we have that, quote, crappy roster and the Bulls have that, quote, crappy coaching staff is because of that once crappy management that was once a part of the Chicago Bulls uh, front office. So, I mean, hey, now it's a different story, I think. Now uh, things are going to be changed and, of course, for the hopeful uh, benefit of the future. See, my thing is, who would want to coach this team? Well, um, Tom Thibodeau did quote, the other day, and I actually kind of took this to light, saying, quote, he does expect to find an NBA coaching position even next year, and honestly, he could come back to Chicago. That is a complete possibility, being that now we have a different, now we have a new, now we, what was that? 
what the Bulls even like what the Bulls players or fans want him to come back though because he's got a reputation of running running them in, into the ground I mean hey at least it's something different and we'll see and obviously they recognized what needed to be done in terms of firing certain people and reassigning certain people um, they've already shown that, and of course, it's the liking of many Bulls fans, but now it's time to show their true colors and see what happens from here. Uh, I mean, obviously nothing's, um, you know, I forget the word. Uh, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but of course, um, it's definitely something we wanted as a fan base in terms of those two people getting reassigned from the front office. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah, I'm excited about that and seeing how the Chicago Bulls are going to adjust off of that. Um, did you see DePaul? Have you, did you pay attention to DePaul basketball or no? Nope. No? Oh, dang, that's that, that's actually not a shame because that, that season kind of died very quickly. Uh, you at least saw that 12-1 start, did you? Yeah. Okay, good, good. That is a good sign. And I know you, James, have some pretty heartfelt feelings about March Madness being canceled. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I was disappointed. I was I was disappointed. Albeit, I mean, it, it wasn't... I can understand why they did it, but it was kind of an overreaction to a degree. What degree was that overreaction? On a scale of one to ten, I'd say it's about an eight. Well, so why, like, why, why do you? I mean, considering the precautions of everything, um, obviously no media, no. I mean, I mean, no extra fans in in the stadium, but uh, media have to be there. Drawn. Yeah, but the problem is, is now all of these stay at home orders are being put out, and of course, those stay at home orders. Um, are the players themselves, the teams, the colleges that are canceling their programs. Duke, Kansas, canceled before everything else was canceled. They said that even if the tournament still stays on, that their team isn't even going to be playing in the tournament. Uh, so, yeah, just, I, so, I, I mean, dude... You know, they have one last chance, and now they're, they're not going to get it. They're not going to get their chance. They're not the only group of seniors athletes that didn't get their chance you got those spring athletes who expected to play in their softball baseball seasons um and anything else that they're competing in track and field etc so um you know those athletes also um took a beating with that you know i got no college world series or anything weren't they weren't they granted an extra year of eligibility though possibly i think that is also a consideration because i know a recent depaul player got six year eligibility so that could be a possibility but that's not where they wanted their careers to go. They obviously wanted to play their last season and move on with their lives. Mm. I mean, at least that was the plan. And, of course, if they miss it too much, they, they might be able to have that decision in order to be able to play uh, a fifth year. Well, of course, a fourth year, skipping the fourth year and going into a five. Mm. But you get the point. Yeah. Um, it does suck, though, that March Madness got canceled. And... Hey, you know what? We got until next year, and 
when when you have something when you don't have something for so long, you love it even more. So we're gonna have to embrace every single moment we have of it when we get it next year. Truth be told, James. Uh, so you're as as we're recording here on WHM eighty eight point three FM. You've been in these airwaves for so long. Um, are there any notable moments that you've had uh, with the station? And uh, of course, you know, hopefully Keith Maurice is listening so that you can we can it's, bash it's, him up. It's too many. It's too many. Oh, boy. Uh, I remember the first time I co-hosted with Keith. I was nervous. I was a nervous wreck, but I enjoyed it. Keith has was one of those personalities, man, that you're just going to feel you're going to feel right at home once once he begins that radio show. Doesn't matter who's he, who he's with. If you're scared as heck to be on the radio show, he's gonna make you feel like you're at home. That's just the power of Keith Maurice. Uh, are you able to plug any of you guys' contact? I know I know Keith does a show ten to twelve every Monday. I think it's ten to eleven if I'm correct. Now since he only does an hour via podcast, but um, he goes before Monday Mass Sports Talk. Okay, so to kind of finalize this. Sh- off today between you and I. I, I do kind of want to hear some of your thoughts on what's going ha- on in this world and uh, talking about this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I know you said there's some overreactions, especially in the sports world. Um, but is there anything else that you th- think um, is being excluded here? No, it's just people just just need to be careful. You just be careful as, as much as possible. Uh, I'm currently on a uh, 30-day hiatus from my job due to the virus. Uh, like, I didn't get it, but, like, I'm just taking precautions on of not getting it. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's not that hard to stay at home. It really shouldn't be. At least you have to set that up for yourself for it to be easy. I mean, you can't just force yourself not to do anything you gotta at least give yourself something to do at least to enjoy yourself but i mean everybody's going through this and i think that's the mindset here is everybody has to adjust their lives of course unless you've always stayed at home even in our normal lifestyle you stayed at home but now everyone's dealing with it so i mean that's at least my my mindset just I, I hope we can get through this quickly I mean hey I hope so too and uh, you can do so um, right here on Money Mass Sports Talk with me right now as I'm with James Jefferson former co-host uh, every single Monday from 1230 to 2 on WHGM 88.3 FM and posted on Spotify with Radio DePaul Sports and just by searching Monday Mass Sports Talk um, James any final thoughts before I have to let you go? Not, not really. Well, man, I appreciate you calling in, spending time. You've called in on very two very uncircumstantial occasions, occasions with Kobe Bryant. And that was one heck of an interview I did with you. You can check that out on Spotify by searching Money Mass Sports Talk once again. Uh, you could go to episode 159. That was the last time you called in. And this, of course, is not going to be the last time you call in, James. I think you and I and James, or not not just James, uh, Caesar, 
Sanchez, you, James Jefferson, and I know a fast singer to be doing a reunion show uh, at least sometime in the near future. And that's another thing that really bothers me that we can't get, like, actually get together. And, man, <laughs> I've been It'll happen. Trust me. I mean, once all these things are lifted in the summer, we'll probably get some studio time uh, somewhere and be able to come back together. And I'm sure Caesar's going to be around the area, being that it's summer and he's not at gonna have to be at school unless he's somewhere else but uh of course he, he's only a phone call away so just as like as you've been today here with me james and uh i very much appreciate your time and uh coming on to this show once again and of course the time you co-hosted with me that was a lot of fun all right all right all right so when we come back we are going to get into some depaul basketball with ethan densmore going to be talking the latest in terms of transfers the Dave Leto contract extension, and more with the DePaul men's basketball student manager and host of the Blue Demons Hoop podcast. Let's get into it right after this break. You're listening to such Monday Mass Sports Talk right here with Noah Festenstein. Be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. Mextrus curling right side. Drills a jumper. Let's see what Struis does. It looks like he wants to shoot. I was kind of hoping he would pull up there. And one. Floater was wet. Struis is loose. Struis Curl three. three. Bang. You know it. My goodness. Struis on the other end gets it to fall and one. Now up top, he's got a double team. Now it's just Figueroa on him. Nice oh, move. Quick wow. move. Out of oh, control. Oh my goodness. Wow, he was out of control. He finished off glass. That is a new career high for Max Struess. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. You are currently listening to yours truly, Noah Festenstein, proud host of Monday Madness Sports Talk, an award-winning radio program on the newly awarded best college radio station in the nation, Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back to Monday Madness Sports Talk. It is your host, Noah Festenstein, taking you into this segment right here, right now. It is with Wild Ones, David Julian, and Rude with Nobody But You, the Rude Remix. So let's get it going here into the next segment, which I don't know when the next time this segment's going to be ran. And it is your very own DePaul basketball segment. And, of course, I'm not going to be alone with this segment as I have here on the line. It is DePaul men's basketball student manager, Ethan Densmore. Ethan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Noah. It is a pleasure to be on your show here. Of course, of course. Glad to have you on Monday Mass Sports Talk. Um, I know you and I have had a class together in sports blogging, and uh, you started a really good podcast in that class called Blue Demon Hoops, talking all things DePaul basketball. Um, you know, what made you want to start, you know, talking about DePaul basketball? Of course, you have a heavy influence of being a manager, but uh, what, what yeah. was another X factor about you wanting to start that? Um, so it's, it, it's been, uh, it's been a pretty surprising journey. I, I didn't expect to get into podcasting as I have. Um, as you know, it was just a simple assignment for the class and I, I just really enjoyed it. I had some friends reach out to me and say they liked it. And I think the biggest thing was just, um, 
just like finding that voice that not many people have. And I think it was a really cool opportunity for me to continue sharing my perspective on the team and just my just my passion for uh, basketball, you know? I think he chose a really opportune time to start it. I mean, if there's any real, like, big-time thoughts about this team, they have had to had to come this past year and this past season. Exactly. Because what a roller coaster ride that was. It was it was a crazy season. We started 12-1, and as I'm sure everybody knows, and ended the conference section of our season with only three wins. Um, wasn't the best but I think there still was a lot of uh, silver lining from the season and uh, I believe a lot of takeaways that um, that came from it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so. I mean, this is the best start for DePaul basketball in terms of starting the season off since, what, 86, if I'm yeah, correct? sometime in the mid-80s. Yeah, yeah and then the hype was real. I mean, after that Texas Tech game in, in which you were attending and in which you've attended every single home game this past year, being student manager, yeah. um, you know, those types of moments are those silver linings that you were just talking about because, like, nobody oh, expected huge. to have those kinds of moments this season. And um, yeah. I, I think that that's what really encapsulated this season as a whole before conference play started because that's just yeah. a whole different story. No doubt, man. No doubt. And I think that was one of the coolest things that I – I obviously didn't go in knowing that we were going to have such a great start. I just kind of went in knowing that I wanted to work with the team. I reached out to people within the program, and obviously we I, I was still on for the ride at that point. It, it picked up quick. It, it ended fast, and uh, I just enjoyed every moment I could. So awesome, very dude. fortunate for, for the opportunity, man. Yeah, of course. And I, I've actually sat beside you on a couple of occasions, being that I sat baseline courtside, which you, were, you sit per game to clean up the floor. Yeah. Um, did, yeah. yeah, and you're there at every game and enjoying it. You seem like you enjoy it. That seems like an I, enjoyable gig. It's it's great, man. Especially I, I get access to participating in practices too. I help out in several aspects of the program. I get a pretty unique behind the scenes view that not many people get, and it's been uh, it's been incredible. So, what um, things that do you think DePaul? fans should uh take to note going into this offseason now with your perspective um and this team i know there's been a couple of uh players that are not going to come back and most notably paul reed and now i think cameron flynn just um uh went into the transfer pool so just other 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 names uh of that nature so just what should the paul fans expect now especially even after this dave lato signing uh extension i think yeah, I, th- that's a great question. I think a lot of fans can just expect to pick up where we left off. You know, we still have Charlie Moore returning for his senior season. Jalen Coleman lands was given that uh, like six-year contract uh, eligibility. Yeah, six-year, yeah. So he'll be back with us as oh, well. That's beautiful. We still, have, we still have still have Jalen Butts under the hoop. So Romeo Weems had a great freshman season. All Big East freshman teams. Did so. I see that guy I, as a as an NBA player, as a future oh, NBA oh, player? Hundred percent. He's he is so special. I think that a lot of fans are just so caught up in the negatives. And, yeah, even though these guys uh, do have a lot of potential, they may have not performed as well as they could every like every game, day in and day out. But I think in the end, like this team really has the potential to do well in the Big East, like no doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt at all. Um, I, I'm a big, big fan of – uh, how this team played together, uh, especially when it, it was at the beginning of the season and, you know, this was very unexpected and the 12-1 start. Is that something yeah. that you can see as possible again next season? 
And uh, and if so, what lessons do you think they've learned from this past season? Yeah, I think I think we definitely could see that again. It's like it's interesting because the way the schedule is made, it's almost like a preseason in the sense where the conference games don't start until either the very end of the year or the beginning of the like, new year, essentially. So DePaul put their first conference game, I believe it was like December like 25th, something, no, not, not Christmas, December 27th, something like that, very end of December. So they have the first two months of the season, essentially, to pretty much figure out what they're doing before they get into these Villanova, before these Butler games. So I think that I'm not saying you should expect to go 12-1 and every year, but if you do have a strong core of guys, I think it's definitely something that is possible. And you see teams like Duke, you see Kentucky, like these teams do consistently start the season so strong because they're playing teams that just don't have the same abilities. Like yeah. DePaul, the first week DePaul went 3-0. and They played Fairleigh Dickinson, UChicago, and uh, Alcorn State. And so that was without teams. Dave Lato coaching. That, that was with Coach Lato sideline, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, but also you have in the mix, like, they, they kind of challenge themselves. Like, they put Texas Tech, they always have the Big 12 matchup, the Big 10 matchup, DePaul beat Iowa as well. Uh, you got Boston College on there, Northwestern, that's always a big game too. So, though though it's expected, I think, but it's not always guaranteed. So, it, it's special, and I think that to learn from last season, um, like, DePaul showed that it's, that even though that, <laughs> yeah, like, like what I said, it's, it's definitely possible every year, and if you if you have the mm-hmm. right mindset and everyone's prepared enough, yeah, I, and I even the, the determination that. too, that that factor definitely plays big dividends, and that's what surprised me about this team going into the conference play this season is that they were so determined, and you know he had Pantelis like willing to shave his head if they don't even make a tournament, um, which exactly. he still should, I think, um, <laughs> at least maybe half well, of his had to compromise, but yeah, in all seriousness though. There's this certain vibe that was going on with this team when they were 12 and one. They were on cloud nine and they were ready to uh, start, um, you know, getting ready for postseason play or at least getting those thoughts ready. Now you have that perspective, um, Ethan. What was that vibe like? And do you think that there's something about that that um, kind of changed their style of play going into conference play? Do you think there's something um, beyond what we don't see as fans? Mm, I think that. So to to address your initial point, I think it was it was it was such a cool cool perspective. I mean, there was a video posted after the Texas Tech game where everyone's pouring water on Coach Lato as he walks into the locker room, and even as we were heading into that conference break after the uh, after well, the, the last game that was the Northwestern uh, game. Oh, Northwestern was the last game. Okay, you're right. Yeah, after that game, that was a big game. Um, yeah, and then there was kind of a shift. I think that everyone still had that same mentality that hey, we can really win this thing, we can really go far, but I think it slowly ended up turning into kind of like a, uh, I guess, like a lull, per se, as as we, we lost to Seton Hall was the first conference game, I believe, at home, and then we lost to Providence. And yeah, that was a terrible, I mean, yeah, that, that, that I remember calling that game at home. Uh, I was uh, yeah. doing a call on radio to sports.com. That was just a very frustrating game, especially against a team that also expects to be in the bottom tier of the Big East Conference standings. Yeah, um, no doubt. That those are that's I think that was the one time like I mean I understood the first game maybe conference game I understand that but then you gotta go into your second conference game and be like okay let's let's adjust and do what we've been doing this entire season and they didn't and that 
that exact game, that Providence game that I called, I saw so many red flags. And speaking of those red flags, what can you point out about this team that you think were the X factors in in their on uh, really downturn of their season start conference play? Yeah, um, I think to speak on like the very surface level like thoughts, like the very like just general vibes. I think the free throw shooting was definitely something that had a big effect on several losses. I know that. To start the conference schedule, there was a few, more than a few, like several close games. I think DePaul only had a few games where they lost by more than double digits. There was only one notable game they lost by double digits. That was against Creighton at home. Creighton, yeah. Yeah. And then, well, the last game, the last few weren't that great, but man, yeah, (laughs) like we took took Villanova to overtime on the road. We obviously beat Butler at home. I think we lost to St. John's, a pretty close one as well, so... I, I think free throws was definitely like, in my mind, like the main, uh, the main red flag, the main turning point. Um, that was definitely a, a big concern that we saw. Oh yeah, great point there by Ethan Densmore here, host of the Blue Demon Hoops podcast. On what platform is it on? If I'm correct, uh, I'm on. I was initially only on SoundCloud, but I recently expanded over the last few weeks to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So to make sure that it's all, um, so it's Apple, same same way you catch Money Mass Sports Talk by searching Money Mass Sports Talk on Spotify. Search Blue Demon Hoops on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts to listen all things yeah. to Paul Basketball by yours truly, Ethan Densmore, who does a fantastic job. Um, covering the team, he's got the best perspective, and he's also going to be a senior manager on the team next year, as I would assume, right? Yes, sir. All right. So uh... look forward to some great podcasts by you, some good perspective, um, allowing you to be a bit more intimate with this DePaul basketball team in which it seems like they could repeat some of the things that they repeated successfully this past season. What do you think? I mean, you said three throw shooting um, is a big X factor. That could be fixed just by practice. Um, But there's other things that I think were also a problem with this team. Um, do you think that there's uh, communication issues? Do you think that's something beyond what the players can't control? Um, what what other problems do you see that maybe consisted to this bad end to the season? Um, I guess I guess I'd say maybe some like communication as well as decision making. I know. Um, I mean, as as a basketball fan, you can watch and see that like they're not always making the right pass. They're not taking smart shots. Like. Obviously, every every team has several offensive sets, plays that they try and run, and when, when those kind of break down and aren't going well, um, it's definitely hard to see success and to continue scoring, especially when you're in the Big East. So mm-hmm. I think that was a big one of the biggest concerns outside of free throw shooting, yeah. Yeah. Um, let, let's, let's, keep a, let's, let, let's now avoid negative uh, things about this team because, honestly, I think that's the narrative – that's now being carried over beyond the, now the end of the season. I want to talk about some good things about this team because, like, as much as it was a disappointing end to the season, being that we we could have made the NCAA the non-existent NCAA tournament, of course. Um, but what like was the best moments you can think of from this past season that you really think um, made history for this DePaul uh, basketball team? That's a great question. Um, are you talking about as far as like a specific game? Or specific game moment. Like, I mean, mine personally was Texas Tech. I wasn't at that game. I was actually at work at the deli, um, yeah. slicing while literally watching the game on my phone. So, 
um, that was my favorite moment because I screamed like the whole story probably could have heard me. Um, yeah. So, what was your favorite moment, and then maybe moments, plural per se? Yeah, I, I think that's that's a really good question. I think I think I have to agree with you, man. Texas Tech, like to go into that game knowing that they were the runner-up in the March Madness tournament the previous season last year, and then to see that I mean, we started so strong. Like, I, I'm not going to say that we, we, went in expect, we went in expecting to lose because we were, we were undefeated at the time, but I knew in the back of my head that it was going to be a, a hard-fought game and not, not going to come easy, and I think it was just like such a cool moment to see Jalen Coleman-Lance hit that time three oh, to send it to overtime. And then that was when I just, screamed. That was oh, that was the moment when I screamed. Dude. And, like, the crazy thing was, like, Wintrust wasn't even sold out. I think there was, like, 6,000, 7,000 people, like, but it was loud. That it was, was yeah. the loudest. And, like, I, I actually tweeted earlier today, like, uh, the highlight video from the game, and I said that, this is the coolest live sports moment that I've ever been a part of. Like it was no, unbelievable. no kidding. And, wow. No, and then and then like the celebration in the locker room after, and then we always uh, we always take buses to and from Wintrust from uh, the from the athletic center on campus, and just like the whole vibes. Like after that, it was it was yeah, cloud nine guys, was, and you guys felt like you could probably beat any team at that point. Oh no doubt, no doubt. It was special. It was yeah. Yeah, that, that brings. I mean, fun. just let's reflecting in that moment gives me goosebumps i mean i yeah. i mean i'll like i said it and i said it after the game i was like no matter what happens uh for the rest of the season of course we all <laughs> we all know it happened but yeah. like this moment is going to be put into depaul basketball lore forever like no matter what yeah. like like this yeah. is something that you know yeah. brought depaul basketball back this is what brought all the sports journalists in chicago saying we got our DePaul basketball college team back. Like, this is, yeah. like, there's not, like, and I even said it myself at one point, I was like, the Chicago sports scene right now is kind of lacking to the point where, like, oh, DePaul yeah. basketball is the best thing that's happening in Chicago sports. And at that point, it really was. And I was just, I don't think I could be any prouder to be a DePaul fan, DePaul students, and just to be a part of this, especially as a live game commentator and you as a manager, uh, that must have been yeah. something special. Dude, it was so special, and um, just to see like the like the reaction on social media. After, oh yeah, I know we got ver- we got verified on our on our Instagram shortly after that. Like <laughs> followers were going up. I did like, not know that. Coming in. I did yeah. not know that. Wow. And you, you you had um, top college basketball analysts talking about DePaul. You had David oh, yeah. Portnoy, founder of DePaul uh, of um, Barstool Sports. Um, yeah. commenting saying yeah. DePaul's the real deal, and like like people should start watching this. Uh, yeah. this basketball team, it was a good couple moments. And then I would say another secondary good moment for this season was that Butler win. We thought that Butler. we were down the come up after that, like at home I beating the number five ranked in the nation at the time. Um, yeah. Ironically, the best <laughs> Big East team at the time beaten by the worst yeah. Big East uh, team at the time. Like that was something yeah. else that was pretty special. Oh, 100%. That was, I think that game actually was the, like largest attendance that we had all season, and yeah, that was that was also loud. That was a, and like that was big too, because I'm not sure how many conference games we had before that, but we were on quite a skid prior to that, and that was a big, um, a big, a big high, a big high moment for us, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. a big, a big up in the in the trend before we, before we started to decline again. Yeah, 
Uh, I'm here with Ethan Densmore, uh, student manager of the DePaul men's basketball team and host of the Blue Demon Hoops podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Here for a little bit longer, we're going to talk some um, Dave Lato now, because I know this is a pretty big controversial topic over this past season. Um, before I want to talk about the contract bench, uh, extension, what do you think about him as a coach? How do you think he maybe could have adjusted as a coach during uh, this downfall of a season? Um, and maybe what else did maybe he did good that we could look forward to from him for the next four years? Yeah, I think uh, that's been one of the biggest bonuses of my job. Getting to work alongside Coach Later as well as the rest of the basketball staff. He he he's been in the business for a long time. He knows a lot of stuff. He's a really really great guy to talk to, and uh, that's been definitely really cool. Um, I'd say that my perspective, I mean, I am very biased as I do essentially work for him and with him with the athletics program. I don't, I um, mean, I don't blame you for being biased at all. I'm also biased in that regard because, I mean, he's here for another four years instead of it acting as a controversial matter. I want to say, hey, this is going to be our coach. Let's, you know, accept that and understand that he needs to adjust. And if he doesn't, he's not going to have a coaching job after four years. Yeah. Well, something else that a lot of people don't know that I wrote in my blog when I, initially covered the uh covered the extension is that um it was actually talked about by lawrence in the uh, depaulia he said that the contract doesn't have a buyout and there's no guaranteed money beyond next season so mm. essentially i mean i, I did not read that yeah so essentially what it means is that he's got a he's got to have a great season next year or he's pretty much on his way out so though it is through the 2020 2023 2024 season interesting there's no uh there's no guarantee so then and with that being said what expectations do you think are going to be set for coach leto you know to keep his job after this upcoming season uh i said definitely got finished over 500 paul was including our our win in the biggest tournament we were 16 and 16 um and last in the big east I, i think he's got to finish at least top five if not like top three top four to prove himself not only to the fans but to uh to the diplomatic nice department so uh, i'm i'm a little relieved i mean as much as i i'm a very big proponent for giving leto this type of contract but i'm a little relieved to be quite honest with you about this contract fine print about him having to meet expectations in order to keep his job because the past five years, he was supposed to build it up, and of course, this was his best year, arguably. I mean, besides maybe the year before where they went 500 for the first time since, what, 2007? Yeah. So, I mean, he made some steps up, but are those the, uh, the question is, are those the steps up that we need to see from Dave Leto? And yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. I think that something, uh, something interesting is that DePaul, uh, according to 24-7 Sports right now, which is a pretty prominent uh college basketball high school basketball just ranking system uh they have DePaul's 2021 class ranked number four right now in the country with Ahmad Bynum and Keon Edwards two top 100 recruits coming in um so I think that along with the experience that Romeo is going to get and um potential anyone else that comes in I think that we definitely can continue this you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. oh yeah 100 um so now since you got into the conversation of transfers this is probably the last thing i'm going to get into in regards to DePaul basketball um 
Well, let's talk about maybe transfer expectations for this offseason. Of course, um, with the loss of Paul Reed, someone's maybe going to have to fill his role. Of course, maybe someone on this team already. But is there anybody in the pool that you have your eyes on? Yeah, um, there's a guy. I was actually, I'm actually in the middle of writing a piece on him in case he commits. He's he's set to announce his decision today. Anthony D. Avanzo from Lewis University. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Division two prospect. He's a redshirt junior. Um, he scored 16 points, like nine rebounds a game last year. Um, similar size to Paul. I think he's definitely um, a potential pickup. Um, I know DePaul also has their name in a few other transfers that I don't have in front of me right now. I was just writing about him. So, But someone else um, that also announced DePaul's in his top four is a guy named Michael Flowers from Western Michigan University. Okay. Guard. So we'll see. We'll see. Definitely, I agree. I've, I've been seeing a lot of stuff that um, DePaul needs to fill that void, essentially, that they have as they lose Paul and Devin Gage. But, oh, yeah. Um, Devin Gage and him. He went to what? Yeah. Fresno State? Fresno State in California. Yeah. Yep. I mean, hey, so, yeah. good for Devin. I hope I hope nothing from the best for him. We had yeah, class with him. And... Yeah, great <laughs> good guy. guy. Really we nice. had class with what? Charlie Moore, Paul Reed, Devin Gage, Jalen Butts, and Day Day. Um, Darius Hall. Darius yeah. Hall. We had a whole starting five in our sports blogging class. Essentially, yeah. It was. Um, that was a fun time with Adam. That was fun. That was that was. That's really crazy. fun, yeah. Um, of course, you know that and that was during a very interesting time. Of course, during like the it big was. that was like uh, a very I don't know. It, it was just a weird time because you know it, the the losing trend started and um, yeah, like yeah, like as the as the quarter started, we were like twelve and three maybe. Yeah, and then uh, as the quarter ended, we were finding out college basketball was canceled. So was gosh, crazy. I hope it's not me that was the bad luck charm. I I hope it wasn't you, man. That that'd be yeah. That'd be bad luck, yeah. No, I'm at <laughs> I'm at fault. I'm at fault. Yeah. I'm giving giving our players bad vibes. Yeah. But in all seriousness, though, um, I mean, they they played their hearts out when they could, and you, you said it best. And I think I think free throw shooting was an X factor, and um, so maybe in my eyes, some communication problems, which I think can be fixed. All the problems that would happen this past season with DePaul and their downfall, I feel like can be fixed this off season. Whether that's uh, getting a good transfer or adjusting the playbook. Um, last question here with the DePaul basketball: What do you think can be adjusted um, come next season? What do you think is that number one thing? Mm, the number one adjustment. I don't know. I, I like I said. I think. Making sure that chemistry is there, making sure everybody is on the same page. You know, I, I think a, a fresh start to a season, especially after this little break we got here, um, kind of a, a break from basketball for a lot of people, just trying to find a way to almost pick up where we left off in last ball, you know, just mm-hmm. like less of um, less know, animosity. Just, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I I, I kind of would like to see negative connotations about this team kind of be uh, pushed aside and you know take yeah. some pressure off this team so that they feel no like doubt. they have room to compete. No doubt, and I think that's been one of the big emphasis, one of the big things I've tried to emphasize through my blog and my podcast is like though I do have though I am like biased and I do have this like connection to the team. I think there's so much negativity on social media, like on even just mm-hmm. like a simple like post about. DePaul basketball has been posting highlights of um, of 
giving clips of the season and people like use that as like a way to just start trashing on players or the team. Like these are college yeah. athletes. These are guys like trying to make it to either the NBA mm-hmm. or even just play basketball because they love it. And people are bored during quarantine. People are bored on their couches just absolutely destroying these guys. So Yeah, it's unnecessary. It just doesn't help. I mean, it just doesn't help with those kinds of comments. And those yeah. players just want to live their lives in quarantine. They don't want to face those kinds of words. Speaking of quarantine, how has it been for you? What's been going on with you in that? It's been going well, man. Um, I've just been... I've just been vibing in my house. I'm in the suburbs. Which one? So I'm in Hoffman Estates. Right oh, oh, you're right in the 88.3 FM uh, zone, yeah. which is where we're recording I on am. right now. So you'll be able to listen man. to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too far from Harper College, just down the street in Palatine. So. Yeah, why well, are you by, like, what, Roselle Road or something? Um, I'm about three minutes from the Sears Center, actually. Oh, oh, days. yeah. They had um they had Spring Awakening there last year, and I was over there. Yeah. That <laughs> was... That was loud. That was yeah. that was a crazy time. But uh, really cool, oh yeah. But uh, Ethan, thank you so much for calling in, man. And I've, um, I have one last comment to make. Sure. One last thing. Charlie Moore will be the Big East Player of the Year next year, and Romeo Weems will be Big East Most Improved Player. You heard it right here first on the record. Ethan Densmore. Ethan Densmore, everyone. <laughs> Um, uh, do you want to plug your uh, podcast before we head out? Yeah, uh, once again, I am the creator and, I guess, main producer of the Blue Demon Who's podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, as well as my blog on WordPress, bluedemonbasketball.sport.blog, covering everything DePaul basketball all the time. I will provide all that information for you guys in the description of this show on Spotify, on my own Spotify, if you guys want to check it out. Uh, awesome stuff by uh, our good friend Ethan Densmore calling in, and uh, maybe once the season starts around that time, I'll have you call in again and talk some more to Paul basketball. 100%. I appreciate your time, Noah. Thank I you so I appreciate your time. Thank you. You just listened to Ethan Densmore, host of the Blue Demon Hoops podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, also his blog, Talking DePaul Men's Basketball. Thank you, Ethan. And uh, we'll be back with some more right here on Money Mad Sports Talks, so stay tuned. This is your host, Noah Festestein. Be back in just a bit. Hey, everyone. Looking for a way to help? Due to the coronavirus outbreak, blood drives from across the state have been canceled. While coronavirus does not directly create a greater need for blood, the canceled blood drives are impacting the current supply and the need for blood is always constant. So to find a blood donation site near you, go to aabb.org and select Give Blood. You can also go to redcrossblood.org to keep up to date on the Red Cross Blood Drive schedule when the shelter-in-place restrictions are lifted. Schedule your appointment today. This has been Noah Festenstein, your host of Money Mass Sports Talk. Be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. You are currently listening to your Radio DePaul Sports award-winning radio show, Monday Madness Sports Talk. Awarded for best use of social media and nominated for best overall show. Always online with Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Streaming from Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.
Welcome back to Monday Mass Sports Talk. It is your host, Noah Festenstein. We've got about 30 minutes left here in the program. So let's finish it off. And helping me get into this next segment is that of Quicksand by Phoenix Paul on APAC. And it is time for the last segment of the day. It will be about 30 minutes, uh, not even, and probably even 20 minutes if any. Uh, might even cut the broadcast short today, which is a-okay, because we've gotten a lot, a lot done in this broadcast today. Talking with James Jefferson and, of course, Ethan Densmore talking in our respective subjects. And now we're getting into a very, very um, developing story here uh, with the DePaul softball team in which the former coach who uh, resigned from the program unexpectedly two years ago, um, Eugene Lentzi, is now being faced with allegations of abuse. Uh, and we're going to get into a lot of talk about that between, uh, the DePaulia, which is the DePaul University's student newspaper, the DePaulia editor-in-chief Shane Renee, who just recently wrote an article about this on the DePaulia online website. Uh, you can check it out as we talk about it by going to DePauliaOnline.com and under the sports section, you can read Shane's article alongside with Lawrence Kramer, who also made his appearance talking to Paul Basketball about a few episodes back. I believe that was episode 164. He was here talking about DePaul Basketball and then himself and also L.O. Lee at the DePaulia wrote this article, which I thought covered it. Basically, as much as they they can at this point, there's not a lot of information behind it, as we are now about to get into the discussion with Shane Renee. Um, I'm actually going to play one PSA before I get back into this, so bear with me now. Just playing a quick station identification right here for both radio stations, so stick around. We'll be right back in about 10 seconds. Hey. It's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fall, and one. Oh. Max Drews brings down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball. Welcome back to Monday Mass Sports Talk. This is Noah Festenstein, your host of the show. Got about 20 minutes left. And for this time, I got a bonus special guest. It is editor-in-chief of the DePaulia, the DePaul uh, newspaper, uh, Shane Renee. Shane, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome, Noah. How are you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, how's your quarantine been? You know, it's been all right. I uh, bounced out of Chicago, went back home to... Uh, my hometown, Boise, Idaho. It's been it's been nice here. The weather's been good. Um, the quarantine isn't as intense out here. We don't have a lot of international travelers, so it's been a little calmer than it's been in Chicago. I'm glad I escaped. Well, I'm glad you escaped at the time that you thought was right, uh, and glad that you're in a safe spot. And uh, you've been doing some pretty hefty work, even away from DePaul, on this very developing DePaul story that we have on a potential lawsuit uh, with DePaul softball. Uh, you just wrote an article about it on the DePaulia. 
It is um, DePaul accused of ignoring allegations of abuse by former softball coach Eugene Lenzi. Um, so uh, some things to unpack as the story is developing. Obviously, we don't know a lot about this story. But what do you know about this so far that you think are the most significant elements of this story? Yeah, so this is, if you've been following the Paul's athletic department really closely, which a number of people have over the last few years, um, you, some people may have heard rumors about this. Um, this has been kind of percolating for some time. And on Thursday, um, a former uh, counselor hired by the DePaul Athletic Department filed a lawsuit against the university, accusing them of failing to fulfill their um, duties under Title IX to pursue allegations that were filed um, against Eugene Lenti, who is, quite frankly, a legend of DePaul sports. Um, you think about When you think about DePaul sports, you think about names like Ray Meyer, and uh, Coach Doug Bruno. Oh, yeah. And Eugene Lenti is really right up there among those guys. He Definitely was, top five. No doubt top five. Absolutely, absolutely. And he, you know, he's been here for, he, he coached for almost 40 years. Um, 37 to be exact. Yes, exactly. And what was so weird about his exit um, and what made people really start to kind of think about and maybe we'll expect something like this might come out is that he really just vanished from the program. Just all of a sudden, one day, without any preparation or advance notice, he, reti- uh, he retired, quote-unquote. Nonetheless, um, he went to a different school. And and that even took a little while, because initially he had just retired. And what was so weird about that is, not only were no- was nobody expecting it, his sister is the athletic director, and she did not make any kind of statement. The university didn't make any kind of statement so we had this really strange disappearance from DePaul's program. A little while later, he pops up as an assistant at Auburn, and then this Thursday we get this lawsuit that is accusing DePaul of failing to live up to their Title IX obligations and investigate these allegations against him. These allegations include um, punching his female assistant coach uh, in the face. Um, he's accused of using incredibly... <laughs> Um, hard language, um, F-word, W-word, horrible things to his players. Um, he's accused of punching players who are overweight, punching them in the bodies, um, just as a way of you know, intimidating them or making them feel shame for fat-shaming, essentially. A number of allegations um, like that were levied against him. Um, the way that the woman who, uh, the sports psychologist who, uh, push the suit forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a woman named Jenny Conviser, uh, and she yep. was hired to counsel DePaul players, and that's how she heard about these things. And the way that she described this is as a uh, as a cult of abuse within the athletic department. And yeah, I think that's the, an interesting way to, to explain it—a cult of abuse, which means it's a consistent like level of abuse that yeah, they and, build and around. Only, exactly, and not only consistent, but that there is a a structure within DePaul University and within the athletic department that enabled him to get away with these things. And now, it is important, I should note, that these are accusations. This is a lawsuit that was just filed. Mm-hmm. This needs to still go through court. These things have not been proven in a court of law. Um, but 
there are a number of things in this report that are very consistent, and there is no reason to believe right now that this is not credible. Um, so this is certainly something to be taken uh, very, very seriously. Yeah. But when we're talking about that structure and the hierarchy, the thing that um, and this cult of abuse is one of the central allegations is that because Jean Lenti Ponsetto, Eugene Lenti's sister, is running the department. That makes it more very. That makes it more fishy about whether or not exactly. they're hiding the story, and that's what I'm going to ask: is what's the bigger story? Him doing, you know, this abuse being performed. Obviously, that's the elephant in the room. But there's this other side story that has massive implications in terms of this not being reported, this not being acknowledged in the university. And I think that's what you know really, in, you know, insults the situation even more, and it's just disgusting. Absolutely. I mean. I think that really the biggest story here, I mean, it depends how you want to define what the biggest story is, but you could say that the biggest story here doesn't even have anything to do with DePaul. It has to do with Title IX legislation, mm-hmm. which is yeah. which is legislation that's designed to create equity in athletics. So it's designed to, at the high school and college level, make sure that women's sports are funded the same way and they provide the same opportunities for female athletes that you provide for male athletes. And under Title IX, there's also lots of coverage of sexual assault and making sure that there is that there are avenues for victims to address those things and actually see justice and prosecute crimes against them. And well, the, I think the really big story here is because athletic departments in Title IX work so closely together, and because the athletic department often has an outsized influence over policy at the university, in the sense that they are one of the main revenue drivers for the university, they attract the most eyeballs to the university, they're really the billboard for the university. Mm-hmm. And when those two institutions or organizations within the school work so closely together, the I mean, you look at Eugene Lenti, and he's a great example of this because he was an incredible softball coach. He won multiple Big East championships, took that program to the College Softball World Series multiple times, 1,300 wins. So the guy that they looked up to. I mean, at least least the the university looked up to, but, I mean, you don't know what happens inside the locker rooms. You don't know what happens behind the scenes, and that's what we're trying to figure out here with this developing story. That's true. But at the same time, it you can't. The thing that I think people have to remember here, and what makes this a much bigger story than just Eugene Lenti's behavior, is that it takes more than one person to abuse somebody. We know this across every abuse allegation that we've seen in the Me Too era, that there are people who help these abusers get away with these things, and they and even an abuser needs a support network. In order to continue abusing people, yeah, and, well, to at least encourage the fact so that they know that I mean, they're not just know, just that they feel like they could just continue doing it. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, if this counselor who's contracted outside of the university knows about these things and brought these things to the attention of not just Gianluigi Ponsetto, the athletic director, brought them to the attention of the president of the university. I mean, Esteban is named in this um, 
A. Gabriel Esteban, the president of DePaul, for anyone who's not aware of him, but he, he's named in this lawsuit as someone who was aware of these things and did nothing to try to advance efforts to investigate them. Um, and so to, just to answer your question about what's the big story here, the big story is that there's a massive institutional failure to take seriously these abuse allegations and not just take them and when they were taken seriously they were taken seriously in a way with the perspective of protecting the brand and protecting the image of the university over protecting the student athletes mm-hmm. at the university yeah the yeah that that definitely supports a quote that was um said by uh who's convincer's attorney of course uh one of the counselors uh in this situation and they said quote but leadership including lenti's sister of course uh athletic director uh putting winning at all costs in the blue demon brand above the welfare of the student athletes in their care when the school taking a page out of the church's playbook of letting bad priests transfer to the next parish permitted lenti to move on to auburn and the female student athletes there dr convincer said enough is enough and blew the whistle End quote. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, it's 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 at the same time, and and they're trying to define this blue demon brand, but when you put that brand in front of the players, it, it can end up being, uh, I mean, contagious. It, it end up being something that isn't going to end up being good, which is the situation. Absolutely, definitely, and uh, I mean, this university talks all the time about their Catholic Vincentian values. And it seems sometimes, you, you know, the abuse within the Catholic Church is kind of one of those things that is so egregious, it's hard to compare anything to it. But one of the easiest comparisons, or one of the best Catholic, the ways that, one of the ways that DePaul is most like the Catholic Church is in the way that they operate in covering scandal or dealing with scandal they don't like to talk about these things and they don't actually remove they don't remove the cancer from the system they just shift it around and you can see that in this situation with um the title nine department and the athletic department's relationship with the title nine department there's a the current um uh, gender equity coordinator who runs the Title IX department at DePaul, is a woman named Catherine Statz. Now, Catherine Statz, in 2002, when Gina took over the athletic department, was appointed an associate athletic director underneath her. And she has been a loyal partner of Jeannie's, as Gina DiPonsetto, as she's run the athletic department. And just a few months ago, um, she was put back in charge of the Title IX department at DePaul. And while this, the allegations that are in this lawsuit, while those things are taking place, she was the person, one of the people, in charge of, of fielding those allegations and was supposed to be one of the people to start investigations. Wow. And so it's the shuffling around of people who are close to the athletic department and putting them in positions where they control the narrative around lots of these titles. Yeah, and they really kind of control how we see things from our perspective. The fans uh, are are sports analysts and how we perceive the situation because this is literally stuff that is behind the black curtain. We don't know what's happening behind this black curtain of the DePaul Athletics Department, and now it's time to kind of unravel 
what's behind this. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly that's what we hope to do at the Nepali is kind of, um, you know, I, I'm a big believer that sunlight is the best disinfectant, just to, you know, throw a good journalism cliche out there. But that, that, that's what we're trying to do here. And the truth is, again, this isn't, this is cert- there are certainly particulars about DePaul University that make this a DePaul issue and should make people within the DePaul community very nervous, certainly embarrassed in a way, and want to confront mm-hmm. this. But this is a much broader issue than that. And the truth is that athletic departments across the country are a curtain to which most people never see what's behind it. And there's lots of secrecy. There's lots of, I mean, athletic departments have so many privileges in the sense of being able to keep their players under wrap, control what their players are allowed to say, control who their players are allowed to interact with. And so it's a perfect environment to have abuse take place and then to protect abuse. It doesn't go with any of the attention values at this DePaul you know, university offers and what it really kind of prides itself on. And I mean, Hey, you may say embarrassing, but like you just said, this is a broader issue. This is something that um, any university can face. And I think we learned something. I think a good example was that Purdue university scandal back earlier last decade and how that unraveled and what we learned from that and the values that that university and other universities now hold in terms of how they treat student athletes. And now we, back the question nowadays of should these athletes get paid and of course now since they don't they shouldn't still they they, they shouldn't deserve this kind of treatment um do you think in terms from the player's perspective um what do you think can be done for them if they do feel like they were abused and it just wasn't right you know one of the unfortunate realities is that sexual and there are a number of reasons for this but sexual assault um, and rape and issues like that are incredibly difficult to prosecute um, and so how do you how do you define justice for these people it's really hard to say I, I don't think you know I think a lot of I don't I certainly don't have a lot of expertise in the trauma associated with these things but from what I do know and what I have read, if you're abused like that, a $10 million, $100 million settlement isn't going to change the fact that you were abused and that that's a mm-hmm. life-altering moment for you. So the, the only justice that I think that anyone can take comfort in is that universities and athletic departments, DePaul University specifically in this case, makes takes efforts to identify who is, who is you know, behaving like this is supporting this kind of behavior. I mean, yeah, just basically and responsible. processes allow yeah. those things to take place and trying to make real steps to improving those uh, issues and removing people who, who do support abusers like this. Um, and, and and like I said, I don't, I don't want to make any direct allegations against um, Gene Lenti Ponsetto. I'm not making these allegations. These are allegations that are made by somebody in the court of law right now. I want to be very clear about that. He's still these things still do need to go through a legal process mm-hmm. um, to, to 
determine the full credibility and validity of all these things. So now but, looking forward, what do you think this legal process is going to look like in terms of the timeline? And, you know, uh, this is just another addition to the softball season being canceled. So with that being said, they have more time to investigate this whole situation. And what, what do you think the timeline is going to look like in that regard? You know, timelines for court cases like this are incredibly difficult to predict. Um, I think two things that I think. One, DePaul University is certainly moving toward a really dicey financial situation with the coronavirus and everything. But generally speaking, it's a university that has quite a few resources. And so in terms of fighting litigation for a long time, they could probably afford to continue to battle this case. This case was just filed, so it's really hard to tell exactly how long this is going to take. But in terms of impact and outcome, we were just talking about this before um, this interview. Sports fans are begging for sports content right now. This, these things are so horrific and you never want to hear these stories, but I, there is some silver lining. Yeah. We've been talking about this at the DePaul a lot, in that this is happening now. This is yeah. happening where at a time when sports fans don't have a lot of other things to look at. And because of that, hopefully there's more eyeballs on this. In turn, there's more pressure. And there's actually a more um, full conversation had about these kind of issues with Title IX, sexual assault, and gender equity in sports, and just abuse in general, which, um, you know, through the Me Too era, we've started to put more of a spotlight on but as we do that we realize that there's a long way to go to address so many of these issues oh yeah almost certainly i don't think you could have said that any better um this is a very interesting situation for the university to be in and uh i mean looking forward I do believe that there's going to be some sort of justice at the end of the line now that this entire thing has been recognized. And uh, we can now, of course, reflect on what's happening now with the coronavirus and move forward with this. But now, this is exactly why I'm having you on the show, is because this is a big deal right now. And this is sports content right now that needs to be kind of talked about because these are issues alongside the coronavirus, alongside with everything else that's going on in our lives. Um, and this is something that uh, we have to address, and I, I'm, 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 I'm very appreciative that you are able to address that with me uh, so concisely today uh, here on Monday Mass Sports Talk. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Of course, man. Um, if anyone wants to check out uh, Shane's article on this exact situation, go to the DePaulia Online. Actually, just the, the DePauliaOnline.com. Go to the sports section or the news section. It is under there. The headline is DePaul accused of ignoring allegations of abuse by Eugene Lency. And I'm sure, uh, Shane, there's a lot more to this story that needs to be unpacked. And while it's unpacking, uh, feel free to call back in and uh, we can talk more about this. Sounds great, man. I really appreciate it. Take care, man. You too. This has been Shay Renee. Thank you to everyone who called in today from James Jefferson, Ethan Densmore, and then just here recently, Shane Renee, all doing an awesome job here, hanging out with me and spending time talking some sports while we're in a period of no sports content right now. And uh, as much of a hard time it is, 
we're going to get through it together. And I hope to do so here in the near future with uh, more episodes of Money Mass Sports Talk. This has been your 168th edition of Money Mass Sports Talk. And it has been taking place on April 20th, 2020. I'll see you guys next week for the 169th edition of Money Mass Sports Talk. Be there or be square. <laughs>